Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Perry Shaw about Thin Lizzy's 1977 album, Bad Reputation. Going into this album, I have to admit, I'm not the biggest Thin Lizzy guy, and not because I don't think it's good, just for some reason, I don't feel myself grabbing for it over other bands of the era. This album really changed that for me and honestly made it all click. We talk a lot about how underrated Thin Lizzy is, and it goes without saying, and you'll hear us get into this later in the conversation, so race really played a big role in a lot of that discussion with Phil. So Phil could truly do it all and ten times better than most of the bands of the era, so any talk of Thin Lizzy being underrated yeah, chalk a lot of that up to race, but truly they are underrated. I was very excited to chat with my longtime friend Perry. If you're not familiar with him, he's played music in the band Hound. He has his own solo album, which you should check out. But mostly you'd know him for his amazing art, art as the t-shirt guy. He's done work for Kurt Vile, Green Day, Questlove, Gate Creeper, Ceremony, and so many others. He's worked as a designer for Easy Eye Sound, Dan Auerbach of Black Keys' record label. So check out perryshall.com for more info. Okay, enough of the preamble. Let's chat with Perry! Hey, Perry, how's it going? Hey, buddy. Uh, it's okay. It's not, um, you know, I'm okay. Um, I will not mention that I forgot to hit record, and we were a couple minutes into it, and I had to stop you, and we had to repeat this. I won't mention that on not, the well, podcast. Look, I'm definitely not going to mention that you forgot to hit record yeah, when I, we started. Yeah, I think that it's just unprofessional and really, like, pulls, you know, the veil back. Well, that's this. why I wasn't going to, yeah, I wasn't, that's exactly why I wasn't going to say that you forgot to hit record. Okay, so I'll kind of uh, punch us into the next part after that then. Uh, so when was the first time you remember hearing this record? See, now I want to change my answer. No, no, uh, it, it was in my early 20s. I think somewhere between like 20 to 22 years old or something. And um, I knew Jailbreak I had already because I assume it still is like a cheap record to find at a record store. Uh, because to me, it was just like a normal, you know, uh, a hard rock album that, you know, like the first Boston record or something. There's like these staples and they had these, you know, jail jailbreak and the boys are back in town specifically, you know, it was on movie soundtracks and all that stuff. And you're always like, yeah, this song rules. Uh, and then you're a kid and you don't really do anything with that information. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, eventually I got jailbreak. And then I think at some point I just thought, you know, th this band is great. What else is there? And maybe I saw somebody with a bad reputation t-shirt. I don't know what it was that led me to make that the next record to dive into. Uh, but I did. 
And so once I started listening to Bad Reputation, I was completely, I became completely obsessed with the band. Like I liked Jailbreak, but it was almost so familiar in a way that it didn't really sink in how amazing they actually were. And then I got this record and then I was like, what the, do we, do we curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah it's not on what NPR the, or anything. I, I, I just thought, what the heck, you know? Yeah. But um, I'll add it out the next heck if you do that again. But yeah, I was gonna curse and then I naturally said heck and then uh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. It's professional. Um, I it's it's actually interesting you stated it that way because I always feel like I have. I'm trying to like I'm trying to like say it properly because I feel like when I get into it, people start thinking I'm saying that I don't like Thin Lizzy, um, mm-hmm. but. I think you really hit the nail on the head with like jailbreak. It's like something that I feel like you just kind of had like almost like the Wayne's world joke of like, like Peter Frampton, like Frampton comes alive, just like comes in with laundry detergent, yeah. you know, like you're that's... like spoiled. Yeah. You're like spoiled by it because it's just everywhere and it's so good. But then you're like, well, yeah, but I heard this a hundred times. And then maybe you like for certain songs or records in general for me, like I'll think that and then I'll go back and be like, oh man, this is just as good as I thought it was when I was a kid, but got over it because I thought I was sick of hearing it. And maybe I was, but it's actually incredible. You know, like there's, I don't know, there's like certain Pink Floyd songs that I I think I swore off for like 20 years. And then I, now I'll be like, damn, this this shit is good. Like some of these songs are, are really good. Yeah. Um, and I think that jailbreak and I think that uh, boys are back in town. I just took it for granted. I think that's it. I think that's I mean, we could stop the podcast now um, if we were talking if we were talking about jailbreak. I think that would be <laughs> the end of it because I think I feel right, it's right. like I feel the same way. You know, it's it's hard for me to get like a read on it. Like I have it on vinyl and I don't remember buying it. Um, I had a CD of uh, Jailbreak, and once again, I don't remember buying it. Like, so every once in a while, like if my iPod or iPhone, I guess depending on the time, wasn't working, I would listen to Jailbreak. So it's like I don't have any issues with it, but it also feels like there's even certain classic rock bands that people introduced to me, and I don't have that kind of connection with. Thin Lizzy, it's just kind of has been there, but it also it's like right, it's like they're so ever present, but it also feels like they're also underrated because when I was looking at like this oh, record, underrated. yeah, like when I was looking at this record specifically, Bad Reputation, um, I, when I even just wrote down it's their eighth album, I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, huh? It it it's um. It's weird because I kind of ran into that issue early on when I was getting into them because I'd be like, okay, well, certainly this, you know, uh, I don't know if I thought it was this one or Jailbreak. I just had assumed they were so early on in the career because they were so big. But, you know, I, what again, once I dove into this record is when I dove into the rest of the catalog and they have not, in my opinion, they've never put out a bad record they all offer something slightly different and it's like the greatest thing ever to offer. (laughs) Um, They they really like grew as a band and yeah, this is the eighth album, but they were still growing, which is awesome. Uh, But to me, this kind of hits like so many different points of why I love this band in one record. 
and I, I think that this, in my opinion, is probably like the. Uh, never mind. I can never pick. I always think I know, but I don't know what what the most perfect Tim Lizzie record is. But this is pretty damn close for me, anyway. But this was the one that got me really into him, so it's the most important, probably. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, kind of going off of the uh, just kind of like take him for granted thing. Uh, when you suggested doing this, like you know, with listening to it, basically for the first time, except for like the songs that I I already knew just from, I guess, playlist or whatever. Um, I was like, this is a really good album. Like, I felt like just right away, I was like, this is better than Jailbreak, which seems like a high bar anyways. It's know? a super high bar. And I, I think why, like, if, if we want to do a little breakdown over here <laughs> real quick. Uh, so Jailbreak is 76. And it starts off, with jailbreak which is uh amazing and the whole i mean just looking at these songs like i'm just more and more excited to hear what's next and that's just on, on jailbreak you know um it, it's like a pretty perfect record but i do think you know it's got a lot of the thin lizzy feeling aspects to it it's more of the heavier hard rock there's like one or two ballady kind of songs or like slower kind of more sensual, you know, Phil could get real sensual. Yeah. And when you go to bad reputation, it's such a journey that it takes you on. Cause even like the first song is pretty mid, you know, soldier of fortune. It starts with this big Epic, like there's these symbols swelling up, like yeah. maybe it's a gong or something, you know, whatever. It's just this big buildup. And then uh, just vocals and like light instrumentation, and it kicks in, huge riffs. What like killer way to start a Thin Lizzy record? Just like really gets you to the point where you're like, build up. Here we are. This is Thin Lizzy, full on dual. You know, the guitars and everything that they're known for. And then you get to this. This is '77, right? Yeah. So punk is coming out around this time and starting to be more aggressive and phil was friends with a lot of these um artists and bands uh the punk people and 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 new wave and all that stuff and similarly in my mind to someone like neil young phil was embracing newer stuff and changes in music and um and and kind of always like trying to take things and learn from that stuff and he was open-minded and, and it shows like, you know, this band is the best at writing ballads. They're the best at writing hard rock songs. They're the best at writing these songs that you like the, the guitars alone. You're just like, I don't know how you even come up with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so many of the riffs and um, even like oh, it's on, it's on, a, it's on jailbreak, but I'll mention it. But like in, in Emerald, the riff, it does it feels like it's never going to end and it's such like a hooky kind of is that the same song and i always get emerald and and like black rose mixed up or something but there's a uh this riff that goes on forever why would you ever write a riff like that it doesn't make any sense yeah it just feels like it's it's it it's like five riffs connected almost or something mm. it's so wild they were just always kind of 
doing Thin Lizzy. They were just being whatever version came out that was a match. Uh, it was a, a makeup of all the members who were all, I mean, pretty much all the Thin Lizzy members they've shared on these albums are all incredible and have had like pretty successful other careers, a lot of them. But yeah. anyway, I love I love the way it starts Soldier of Fortune into Bad Reputation, which I brought up the punk thing because this song is a very driving. Yeah. It's just like it could almost be like a Motorhead song or something. Uh, it could totally be a Motorhead song. And then um, Opium Trail and then Southbound. We go back, you know, take it down a little bit again. Dancing in the Moonlight is just like a. It it's, feels like it could be. Uh, I don't even know. Who, I, I used to say Van Morris. I used to compare Finn Lizzie to Van Morrison a lot because Phil, there's the Irish thing and mm-hmm. Phil was really influenced by him. And um, I always thought that, especially with specific songs or phrasings of vocals and all this stuff. But the dancing, dancing in the moonlight, it sounds very much like Thin Lizzy as we know it to be a Thin Lizzy song. But I feel like it's also a song that could have been written by like these older, kind of more uh, refined, less hard. Yeah, I guess like the kind of blue eyed soul is kind of I think a lot of that. Yeah, he just yeah he sings this like when I passed you in the doorway, you know, like it just is very like snap your fingers kind definitely of. yeah yeah it feels it's like so it could nice. be like a barbershop quartet song in a way yeah, yeah 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 and and it has my favorite lyric of all thin lizzy songs that everybody would probably agree is the greatest lyric but uh i always get chocolate stains on my pants i love that like lyric. It, I, it to me the first time i heard this record I, it, it that part jumped out at me immediately and I think a lot of people think it's funny. And I think a lot of people also in a way joke, maybe half jokingly are like, yeah, I can relate to that. And I definitely thought that when I first heard it was like, whoa, I'm like, Phil's just like singing about getting chocolate on his pants, which would not be cool. To, it's not like a cool thing to sing about. There's not like a funny, cute way of doing it. It's just like kind of dorky, kind of like <laughs> weird to put that as a lyric, but it was so genuinely him. Like he always just seemed like this kind of shy, you know, he's smiling kind of quieter guy. Yeah. Um, that play. And I think he was, and you know, there's a documentary coming out and I'm sure we'll all see there a resurgence in people who care about them again or all of a sudden too. And that's great. And I'm excited for that. And maybe I'll learn more about this, but I'm sure they will mention that he was just like this kind of shy quiet dude and so when you hear dancing in the moonlight it really takes you into this like place that he must have felt like a a kid like a teenager going to hang out with a girl or something uh and just being like head over heels and then you go with the killer without a cause and then you're just rocking so hard again and then this i mean this whole record really takes you up and down like pretty extremes for the most part to heartbreak and hard rock you know and it's just the best version of that kiss kiss tries to do it kiss does it well but they don't do it that well yeah you know there's people who can mix it up and give you a little love song every once in a while and come plow you down with amplifiers and stuff but uh, bob seeger who influenced them again is somebody else who could do it there's not 
there's really not that many people who wear it well, I guess, you know? And it, all versions of Thin Lizzy, to me, sound like filth. Like, they sound true to him and what you what you would expect him to be like. It feels like he's not trying to be cool. He's singing about Irish stuff. And he made it sound cool, you know? Like, Yeah, I, I think, like, I would kind of wish that more bands it's it's not an easy thing to thread but i kind of wish that sometimes people would kind of throw in little dorky things i guess like like you were saying like almost just like kind of have moments of being genuine you know and just kind of like it humanizes these people who either think they are or are some sort of a, a a star you know and he was i think he took so much time spending his entire life trying to feel like himself and that it was okay to be himself because he was like a freak to so many people you know he was he was a a black irish guy in a hard rock band in the 70s when it just wasn't as normal the way he he looked especially where he lived i think you know i i feel like he he obviously had a lot of challenges in his life, a ton. He, he's, I mean, just based on what, what I know about him and I'm not an expert, but um, I think that caused him to create some thing, this, this, this band that could only be himself. This was his outlet to be like, no, I'm this way, but it's cool. Look at me. I'm on a stage. I have, you know, badass like leather jacket or whatever, you know, He's he's just kicking ass and he could be sensual and then he could kick ass. And really you see him and you're just like, well, I can't argue with this guy. He's obviously the coolest, <laughs> you know, he's doing everything. Yeah. And he's succeeding and he's great at it. And he proves that he's the coolest dude. It's not like he he needs to act cool. He just is. And being vulnerable and writing lyrics like that. Which, again, look, maybe people are listening and they're like, are they still seriously talking about that one line? But he does it a lot more than that. Um, he opens up in, in general with, with the ballad songs and all that. And um, God, he's just, he, was, he just seems like he was the real deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love ballads. Like, I think even, like, thinking about getting into Kiss as a kid, like, you know, uh, oh, yeah. like Destroyer. Beth? Yeah, Beth. Oh. I mean, I, I've sang that song in karaoke before, and people are usually really bummed that I picked it, but um, so oh, I love that song so much. So like, just that kind of, I mean, I think that kind of ballad and definitely gets, like, turned out way too much in, when it gets on into the 80s, you know, but even a lot of that, that's where the, you know. I uh, think that's where the where the ballad got a lot of... Uh... I don't. I was gonna say a bad reputation. I I wasn't saying that on purpose, but I think ballads got a bad reputation. I'm saying it on purpose now, uh, because of that. Because of the '80s. Because the '80s were were. It was great in many ways for music, but I do think that some of the cheesiest ballads, and I love a lot of yeah. them. Don't get me wrong. Definitely. I think "Home Sweet Home" by Motley Crue is a fantastic ballad. Yeah. I think Aussie ballads are incredible they are amazing uh, even like uh the rare the rare like motorhead ballads oh uh, yeah uh, when i was thinking actually going and we'll we'll keep talking about ballads but thinking about soldier of fortune i know it's the other way around 
But what I thought about was that I think it's uh, I'm gonna get sorry my history minor. Uh, I think the song's called 1917 by uh, Motorhead, and it has that kind of like organy type thing. That's it's like a really bare song on if the if the song's called 1917. I knew I was gonna get it off. So 1916. I could picture it, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. I was I was not gonna try to correct you until I looked it up. <laughs> But, but yeah, 1960. But it kind of yeah. has that same, um, yeah, it has that kind of same feel as this. I mean, it would go the other way with it, but they feel somewhat similar and not like a plagiarizing thing, just that kind of vibe, especially to talking about kind of war or, you know, uh, war for hire oh, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Wow. But totally. But I mean, I, I, I'm sure, I, I mean, I've heard Lemmy talk about Phil before, um, but. I'm sure that they were friends and if not for anything influenced each other or by, you know, like the, 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 those two make so much sense to me together in a lot of ways. Cause I do think their influences were probably very similar. I think that they were both understanding of like a softer side of things. Yeah. You know, I think they were lovers, even though, you know, uh, Lemmy was a wild dude, but I do think he had so much love in his heart, you know? Yeah, and I guess even think about like cheesy ballads. Like, there was a time it was like I was getting like takeout and I got it, and my I was like getting out of my car, but that song Sister Christian was on, and oh, dude, and I was just like, ah, oh, so I cannot good. get out of the car. I'm just gonna have to sit there and listen to this stupid fucking song, but I love it. It's it is a it is a great song. I also think that like I wonder now that we're talking about this, if Finn Lizzie's big uh songs you know we said jailbreak and um uh boys are back in town right Mm -hmm. like did they have any uh, any singles that were ballads ever like i don't think that they did and i feel like it would have opened up like a completely different world you know they whiskey in a jar you know i guess it's also subjective of sure they put out a single but did it affect mainstream culture in the way that those two songs did i don't i don't think yeah, so yeah i think those song, songs songs like that like even like you know we're saying like bath even like whiskey in a jar i feel like why while people would probably go to a thin thin lizzie show for you know the hard rock you know to see him rock out um i feel like songs like soldier of fortune bath and any of the ones that we can kind of like give your band like almost like longevity and kind of like or allow you to kind of like expand probably past where you might be comfortable, just kind of like make you a band for everyone. And you can still kind of, you know, they can kind of do that. They just kind of broaden your scope, I think in a way. Definitely. Um, that, well, a per- that's know. a perfect example though, Beth, because my mom bought kiss alive too on, it was a double cassette uh, because her name's Beth and she wanted that song and that's how you'd buy music uh, on double cassette sometimes. And so I took the, those tapes from her because I, I didn't, you know, I liked Kiss and I had one of their records, but I wasn't into them until I stole her tape. And um, yeah, but that's exactly what it was. She just wanted to hear Beth because she liked that because it was her name, but also it was like a ballady kind of you know accessible i guess yeah in the kind of even the story i guess now we've shifted into kiss beth podcast uh just like even the tale of like the lyrics 
the lyrics of it just kind of like it's like you know <laughs> just thinking about like we're like 70s dudes practicing but you know i'm gonna get home as soon as i can and you know i'm just gonna you know i'll make it up to you for being out and that's a night, peter you know? chris that's a yeah. peter chris because he's he i think he was the one who uh I don't think he was he was having as much luck as the other guys in in this department. So he was like, "I got to go back to the one that that cares about me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no diss. That's no diss to Peter Christie. I actually, I actually really, uh, I love him as a member of of Kiss. But Thin Lizzy's bad reputation is what I guess we. I I don't want to steer us farther away from that. <laughs> but um. But no, I feel like if people would have heard those ballady songs on this album or 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 whatever any of the Thin Lizzy records I feel like it would have brought a lot more people in mm-hmm. and and they have, obviously look they were a huge band they're still a huge band but I feel like they're extremely underrated and uh and I can't figure out why besides you know bad PR or something I don't yeah know. I don't know I think sometimes like, it's... I didn't live in this time period either and so it's hard for me to say that like they're underrated but as far as longevity like this band holds up so much more than so many other bands yeah like this material and their last album is just like basically them shifting to kind of heavy metal and it's killer uh when you get to that point because they're still doing it well like they're one of those bands that could take on changes like that in in music and and adapt but do their version of it yeah yeah it's and I, yeah yeah even just like thinking about uh, you know like i don't kiss couldn't have written opium trail you know like a story no, or like no, a song no. with that much of a story to it is just like like i don't know how people do it it's because it, it's totally a like a story song yeah yeah and I, I think that i don't know if it's it's an irish thing because i don't know anything about being irish but uh from paying attention to Thin Lizzy and, and Van Morrison, I guess, at least, um, they love, they love to tell stories. They love to reminisce. They love to take you back to this point in time that like makes you feel like anybody can relate to this and their version of, you know, what this story is and all that stuff, which is what you want, uh, from a story you want to be able to relate, I would think, or find, you know, learn something from it or whatever. And I think that, um, that's just naturally how he wrote songs and and yeah again with them morrison and seeger's good at it night moves you know like paint a picture of of somebody's life and then that might have just been somebody they saw one day like elvis costello wrote allison because he saw a cashier at like the supermarket or something and i don't know if she looked sad whatever it was he he made up a story in his head of what this person's life is like, which I'm sure you and I do all the time. Randomly, you, you see, Oh, that that's weird. That person was like, you know, uh, who knows, like limping or wonder what happened to them. And then you make, you know, something like that. So it's amazing to me that these people are talented enough that they can write a song around that basic idea of what this person's life is like. And I feel like, Bills could be a real story about him. Yeah. Or it could be a made up story. And he is so poetic and, but also like casual about it all that it just, again, it just seems to me, at least it shows how much of a genuine 
you know, he, 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 he followed his heart kind of, and, uh, he wanted to do things his way. And I don't know. I just keep thinking about the other bands around this time who just felt like they were cashing. They were just trying to cash in or something. Even, even if it's great, it felt like harder to, to, to buy or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Kiss has been, I think we're going to continue because there is actually like a strong parallel that I've actually, I don't feel like I've ever thought to compare Thin Lizzy and Kiss, like, especially from this era, um, you know, like, like Kiss has always been like marketing themselves since like day one, but it's also feels like it's like, can whoever's managing the Thin Lizzy legacy, can one of those get in on some of those marketing schemes? Because like, you know, they deserve you know, to be held in the same regard as Kiss, and they're not, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Kiss had had the advantage of having many gimmicks, and Thin Lizzy was no gimmicks. They were just great. They didn't have to be anything but themselves. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't even know who to compare it to. Again, I keep thinking of rock bands, who were out when Thin Lizzy was doing their thing. And um, even besides Motorhead, just like uh, the, the radio stuff that we hear all the time on classic rock stations, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you can try to dissect half of that shit and it still is fine, yeah. you know, or, or it's really good for a different reason. But I just think uh, with, with bad reputation just offers so much and the riffs, for days all the instrumentation is great his voice you know maybe i never thought about this but his voice just sounds so good on this record and um on some of the record i mean on, he he sounds amazing on all the records with his, his voice but you could tell uh he was just in his element on this album i think i don't know yeah yeah i mean one of the things like just thinking about the idea that they basically put out an album like once a year (laughs) like like that's insane i mean i always try and think about like why that doesn't really happen anymore (laughs) oh i know why because at this time if you were a band on a major label your job was to be a band so if you're not on the road you're spending that time that you would have been on the road in a studio or practicing writing a new album and then you put it out so you could get right back on the road again, right as soon as it was done. Cause that was all you had to do. You didn't have to find another way to make money. You didn't have to, uh, it was a significant amount of money too. I'm sure that like, especially with touring, I mean, now it's like most people don't go to the, to the shows Yeah. compared to then, I think. Cause, cause that was the entertainment. Now we have, we're too many, dis- we're, we have too many distractions now. People can just stay home and listen to it. They don't have to buy the record. They, there's so many disadvantages for that life. And some people do put out a record every year, but are they like the one of the biggest hard rock bands in the world at the time? No. Like, no. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it, it perfect, like thinking of the hard rock uh, genre, like ACDC, who I love to death, of course, um, they just they just were like, yeah, we're just going to sing about rock and roll and yeah. like stuff like that, like cannons and, and whatever. And, um, 
and they're the you know one of the best bands to to ever play rock music in my opinion yeah hard rock music um but they didn't have the same kind of substance again there was a couple of gimmicks and whatever compared to a band like Finn Lizzy I just think that they were just they just had it period yeah I think that's always gonna you always find that the the ones that you care about the most never get enough recognition yeah I think as a kid like I definitely would have reached more for something like ACDC as opposed to Thin Lizzy I think it was also kind of easier to get for whatever reason I guess we're kind of talking around it like you know but like also I had like a when I could physically just like go buy my own records and people were like you should listen to Thin Lizzy it was always like kind of metal dudes like hasher type dudes that were like thin right, so th- and right. then i was like always kind of confused because you were talking about uh jailbreak and uh, you know as much as i like it i always kind of felt like it's like kind of thin sounding so whenever i whenever i heard this record like when bad reputation came on i was like this is always what i wanted thin lizzie to sound like <laughs> like you know the mix right. wise it's a little thicker than uh jailbreak to me yeah i i guess i never think about that part of it for whatever reason um so i can't agree or, or disagree not that i need to but i um again it, it, it might not even been the hits that that like i said why it was just so normal to me mm-hmm. but there was regardless of jailbreak it, there was just something when i put this record on that it clicked you know yeah and and i think yeah when the song you go through soldier of fortune when you hit bad reputation it hits it it just comes in so hard and fast yeah and it's like you know you're kind of like oh hell yeah let's get this this party's about to you know yeah go off right now (laughs) like things are about to explode as like a younger person i think i always wanted because i was already like into metal and things that i viewed as like hard rock and they were always like heavier than thin lizzie and it took me a long time to just like not just kind of accept that thin lizzie is just thin lizzie like it's like they don't need to sound anything like ecdc or they're not the heaviest band but that's good like they can kind of weave in and out of certain things and as i get older it's like these are actually things i start appreciating about thin lizzie more you know so well, you, you, uh, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but knowing you as well as I do, which is pretty well, um, we, we like pop music. We like, we like a hook. We like a melody, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that that is like part of what's so great about this band is that they have riffs for days that metalheads alike can enjoy and enough to, to draw them in and, and, and understand and appreciate why this band is so great but then also like somebody who listens to um i i I don't want to give an example because i don't want it to be taken the wrong way uh like modern uh indie or rock or pop kind of stuff like dancing in the moonlight is a good example that it's like kind of oh this this like vocal part's really good and you know it kind of reminds you other things but you don't know what but it kind of like it still rocks you know in a way like not nearly as much as a lot of the other ones but the drums sound so good in that song 
and it just kicked. It's got enough of a punch, I think, that it can almost trick people on any side of the, of the spectrum of <laughs> hard and soft music. I don't know how else to explain it, like specifically. Like if they never heard a, a Thin Lizzy song before and you were like, listen to this one, I feel like you'd be able to uh, convince somebody or something who might not like it if they just heard the boys are back in town yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's just basically I got to a point where it's just like they didn't have to be like hard rock. Like I appreciate them for being like hard rock, I guess, as that term has kind of become like a different thing. Like, I don't even know if that term means anything now to like people younger than us. Yeah. I always use it because there's certain bands that I would only be able to just, I, I hate the term classic rock because mm-hmm. I think that can always change. I mean, right now there's classic rock stations that play nineties music. So I feel like it's an appropriate phrase now for things that have become classic like Nirvana or something. But uh, hard rock always works for a band that is a rock band that is plays heavier, but is not a metal band. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with people about like the classification, classic rock. But since it's become something that we use, it can't it can't just like start pulling in 90s because that was like 90s. Well, that's what I'm saying. Classic rock is a bad. That's why I think classic rock is a terrible term. Because it, it, it doesn't really work the way that it was supposed to anymore. So so if it's changed, well, these things are still hard rock. They've always been hard rock. I don't need to classify which era it's from for you to like it, basically. You know? Like if you like if you like that genre, I could say you'll like Thin Lizzy. Or you you might like Thin Lizzy, whatever. Um, and I think with classic rock, it's just like, okay that could be dire straits or it could be meatloaf or it could be, <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. say anything about the music itself. Um, hard rock is at least a little bit more focused, I think. And I think that Finn Lizzy is that, but I think why they're so great is because they're a band that could go beyond that, you know, um, which maybe that contradicts the classic rock. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just love the genre of classic rock. I mean, as of hard rock as a thing, because uh, I don't want to talk about my band, but my band, I always thought of, well, excuse me. I always thought of us as a hard rock band because we're not a metal band and we're not really a punk band. We're kind of a bit of those things, but um, what do you call it? And people have said classic rock. And I'm like, this it's not possible for, for us to be classic <laughs> rock. In any of the definitions. Yeah. Uh, but we can be a hard rock band. So, yeah. I I think they're like the best. They're probably the best hard rock band if you, if you had to think of it like that. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But maybe I'd disagree with myself there. But Well, there was like a point at work, like someone put on music and it was like, I was like, I don't know, just play oldies. And then it started playing like uh, it started playing like Fleetwood Mac or something like that. And I'm like, that can't exist in oldies. That's not oldies. You know, it's like no, that's it's like wild. if we've created these things, even if we're just thinking of radio programming, it's like we can't just make like oldies can't like classic rock can't become oldies in vice like classic rock can't just become 90s because 
we've created these things, even if we're just talking about radio programming, that existed as a set of time. And so it's like right. it can't just continue to envelop. Like it can't then – classic rock radio can't just start being Linkin Park because that's a different thing. That's like – I feel like you start getting into almost like art classifications in a way. Is there going to be a station that just plays that? Like, no, there's not. So eventually they get pushed into – is there going to be an alternative station? Not, not truly. I mean, not now. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, except for satellite, maybe. But it, it, it's a thing where eventually they have to push the '90s into a category. But when you were growing up, did you do you remember ever hearing something like Chubby Checker or Fats Domino on the radio? On the oldie station, yeah, we had an oldie station. But like, when does when does like this era of music become like Which, fats domino to like kids well that station actually is the station that plays the most 80s now yeah and it was it's a bummer because then you go well where did my 50s music i want i want my oldies back yeah because just having that on a station is fantastic it's sick. all the stations for the most part are playing 80s um so yeah they're the oldies have been sent to at least over here for the most part they've been sent to local radios i mean uh, uh public at, you know uh what do you call it like a local radio station that probably has one small tower yeah i don't i don't even feel like it like less than a co- it's less than a college station yeah. this this one that it's, does a, it's almost like it's, pirate radio now it feels like it, it might as well be, but like has a lot, like has too many listeners to be um, anything else. But I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's great, but the quality is hard to hear. Yeah. And the DJs know what they're talking about and they, they go pretty deep and it's great, but you can only get it in certain parts of the city. And it's weird that like, why are the oldies becoming like <laughs> pump up the volume, but like, Christian Slater's just playing oldies yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, like this is the only way you could hear this. Stuff. It's hard for me <laughs> to even think about so like funny. what he would be playing because when I think about, like, I guess it's like Herman's Hermits or something. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But it's like because it's not like the Turtles. Would the Turtles would be played on classic rock radio, or is that then the weird divide? It's, no, you're right, but it's weird to think that though. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's the thing. Like. I wonder back then, you know, they were playing sticks on the same stations. They were playing ACDC. So it's hard to say. I don't know. But like, I, I just always will wonder. Yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking about, I, this is totally not about Thin Lizzy, but Thin Lizzy really could fit into this too. But I was thinking about, uh, we've been rewatching Freaks and Geeks. So it's like seeing people oh, with yeah. like uh, stick shirts or whatever. But then just like also thinking about where people will be like, man, band names are so dumb now. And then I'm like, there's straight up a band called Sticks. Like, yeah, with a Y. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like yeah. they couldn't just be called Sticks. They had to be called Sticks with a Y because it makes it look and sound like it's going to be something more than it is. Oh, yeah. and an X, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I just mentioned the, the Y. No, there's also an X. And, and it, it, it's just... Uh, the band names were terrible. They've always the band names. Band names have just always, been, always terrible. been terrible. Yeah, it's like yeah, we think Led Zeppelin is 
cool sounding because they're cool sounding, not because the name is cool south. We we don't like, oh, what is this? No, you've been ha- having Led Zeppelin shoved down your throat for so long that you just know that it's it's a cool name, I guess. I mean, yeah. you could also make the argument that any band name is cool if it's, I don't know, dumb enough. I mean, Led Zeppelin is like, I get the joke. I understand the reasoning. Uh, it's not a good name. Or, or Def Leppard. Yeah. I mean, this... I, I, again, they have Boston. stories behind them. Uh, Boston. Now, that's something where I'm like, it's such a like, a, 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 it takes guts to be able to name your band that. Yeah, it's like being named Sheboygan or something. I think that there is a band called <laughs> There's a band called Holy Sheboygan. I think it's <laughs> Julia from Dusk. I believe okay. is her, her other band name. Wow. But it it. it it's it's not like Sheboygan because Sheboygan is a fun like you can at least acknowledge like oh they named it that because that's an interesting word yeah uh, or name but but I think um, how many times have I sat and thought like what if we just named the band Philadelphia like <laughs> no I would never do that because I wouldn't do that because I thought about it a hundred times to try to understand how somebody could name their band Boston or Chicago yeah. it's like. It's just not a good name. They had fantastic logos, totally makes up for it. Now, there's just not an opportunity to be a band like that. That could be, you know, it, times are just so different. It doesn't, you can't, you can't compare this stuff anymore. Yeah, I think it's if like, you like a band, you don't at a point, and then also like the echo chamber, like you don't really care what the band name is, you know, like. They're straight up a band no, I mean, called Thin Fucked Lizzie's Up. A, like it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but even Thin, yeah, and even Thin Lizzy, it doesn't really tell you anything. You forget that it's even a name is like someone's name is Lizzy. Yeah. You don't even think about it anymore. You just think that it's a word or a phrase or a thing that you it's like. It's just like a font, you know. Exists. Yeah, no, it really, it, it's really like, like a thing that just, you stop thinking about it. And that's why I think the band name thing is always, they're always bad um, no matter what they are because they're already words unless you made up a word that's bad for another reason maybe or maybe it's really cool for that reason like Leonard Skinner but uh yeah yeah or, or I mean or we could go in the band name conversation for days but like <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know um, let's get off the band because <laughs> I, I, I'll get I'll just keep going off and thinking about all the band names that I've always thought were terrible and that drive me nuts to this day and it's not worth it well the, um, the last one I'll do is Mott the Hoople yeah <laughs> um, now um, imagine being like oh this song is awesome uh, what's the song uh, all the way to Memphis they, or they have a, you know a couple songs that the first time I heard them I was like this thing is awesome. Yeah. Who is this? Oh, Mott the Hoople. I mean, who I knew, of course I know them. My dad introduced me to them, like, the, you know, uh, their hit when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, what is that name? I'm sure I could look it up. I'll tell you, I've listened to them for years now. I've never looked it up. Well, it doesn't matter what, at this point. What's a Hoople? I don't know. <laughs> it's a Mott. It's like a, a juice box, I think. Who knows? Mott's. You remember Mott's? 
then yeah, maybe it has something to do with that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we should probably stop talking no about idea. this because I don't. I, it could go on forever and this also is just become a Josh Perry conversation. <laughs> and it happens to be recorded, <laughs> and this is just how we talk. And I'm sorry, uh, but also you got some realness right there with the mop the hoople. Yeah. You uh, never hear that on podcasts. How often do you hear people going deep with trying to understand? No, we didn't. Yeah. Somehow, uh, they deep. probably have some, maybe they have like some Google, uh, alerts or something. You know, I don't know how that works off a <laughs> podcast and then we'll, we'll get a free oh, mop the hoople shirt, uh, which I'm cool with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, it's like, it's hard to like talk about, Thin Lizzy, and then talk about anyone else in Thin Lizzy other than Phil Lynott. Yeah, Lynott. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is. This lineup is probably my favorite lineup, too. And I guess now that I'm looking at, you know, at the credits, I'm like, oh, that's obviously partially why I love this record so much. It's just naturally, it, it's all the guys that I liked being in the band the most at the same all in it at the same time yeah and uh and they're like mostly longtime members too or like very crucial members uh so it makes sense but they're all i i mean what is there to say or not to say like the drums on this record are incredible the drum sounds are so good uh and you could uh, there's a couple thin lizzy records where the drums are just so exceptional but the guitars uh, are obviously great. And Phil is like a supremely underrated bass player too, because he sings and plays at the same time. I think people don't think he's doing that much, but try to try if you can at home, <laughs> try to play along and sing along. It It's kind of difficult. And yeah, um, it's really hard as a vocalist bassist myself, uh, not really good at either, but um, it, it's like, you kind of still, I mean, people do this when they play guitar, but you, you essentially almost stay off of your rhythm that you're creating on your, your instrument, but right. not Phil, you know? I mean, there are times that he's doing that, but it's like, he's he plays like he's not singing, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and, and his melodies and uh, everything are so good that you're almost like, they could be, uh, it, it's like this cliche thing maybe where people talk about the the hooks that people are writing on their instruments are equal to the vocal hooks or like the vocals are equal to like a guitar riff you know memorable guitar riff and i feel like all his vocal melodies you know they're just good every time yeah and they're always interesting and they're always super melodic but then he goes into uh I'm repeating myself over and over again because this is just the Thin Lizzy way, but he'll go from a ballad kind of like smooth bass playing to a driving, straightforward, heavy song. And his vocals change from those songs and his playing changes. And he's doing them both at the same time. And maybe it's not that hard, hard of a feat. I don't know. But like, for me, I just always was impressed by the fact that like, once you realize how great of a bass player he is, you kind of can't unrealize it. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, he already blew my mind with all this other stuff that he does. 
and now he's just like excelling in this thing that you you took for granted almost yeah <laughs> the whole time and then you're paying attention to the bass lines and then you're realizing that they're just how do you write those bass lines and dual guitar lead parts you know all of it is just crazy to me. It's pretty much just like this band just doesn't make sense to me. And at the same time, it makes the most sense in the world um, and nobody else can do it. And that's it. And I wish I could give, you know, people are going to listen to this and just go, yeah, he pretty much repeated himself over and over <laughs> again. But I got to tell you, uh, there's so much and so little that should or needs to even be said about this band besides they're, they're supremely underrated and that they are just the best at doing everything yeah i think <laughs> I sometimes they're so good that you almost like, like we've said it a bunch so i'm i'm joining you on the repeating you take them for granted like um you just i think that's just simply what it is like when something is like really good you almost don't think about like the expertise that goes behind it because everything <laughs> like goes down right. kind of smooth in a way and not like a steely dan smooth which is a different thing but it's like, like, you know, it's not, it's not hard to digest. So you almost like, you're not hit in the face by like the expertise of it because it's tasteful and it can be complicated and that so is a tasteful. hard feat. You know, it's not like, you're not, it's not even like sometimes with Boston at like the beginning of the songs, if they are jamming out before they go to the pop part of it, you know, you're feeling the feats there. If you're thinking about like even actual prog rock like there's a lot they're demonstrating but there's parts in like thin lizzy songs like with you know brian downey on drums like he's laying back a lot of times but when he lets go like that that's the oh, difference drum like, fills for days yeah but like he'll just throw in those but but there's tasteful like you said they're not jumping out at you because they're exactly like what needs to be done mm -hmm. but it's like they're doing it so well yeah that it, 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 and i think that is good uh a good sign of of a really great musician is not well, i mean this is why i think ringo is so so underrated and so great is that he doesn't have to be flashy to know what the song calls for but he's still really fucking good in fact i think people underestimate that ringo could take it further if he wanted to but it's just you know or the ramones uh, or acdc like this stuff is actually hard to to rein in um probably harder to to know when to keep it in place instead of showing what you can do yeah because if neil pert played in thin lizzy you don't you don't need it you know you don't need that yeah yeah i mean i i agree i They're think just, it's yeah you don't it is really hard though when you're in a band and you feel like i mean we've both been in bands a lot you know uh you feel like you have sometimes you have to do more so getting to a point where it's like you kind of like do less on purpose is really hard to kind of train yourself to do that and also i think like for me not being like an exceptional musician i think it's like actually smarter to do as a musician like the more i feel like i try and show off what i can do kind of the worse i sound that's not thin lizzie's problem that's my well, we problem. don't know what to do <laughs> right but we don't know what to do with that you know that's why yeah. it's like i feel like with with this band uh they they all had the sensibility and they had been in, in it for so long 
when you go back to the first few records, the first, you know, three, especially, I would say, um, which I, I think are, are on their own, just underrated. I think a lot of people don't find the interesting part in them, but there's a lot of storytelling like Phil does, but they, they have elements of all the stuff that it will be, that this band will become except for they're more stripped down they're they are kind of showing off more there's a lot of weird stuff on those first few records that are just like guitar you know wanking and 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 all that stuff which is cool but it's why uh let's see what do we say eight albums later you know um they're they're totally in in tune with each other they get it they get what it needs and they're better musicians too and i think being a better musician you would hope would would show you that you don't need to be the flashiest necessarily yeah yeah like even like what well the both... riffs are crazy by the way the dueling guitar riffs are incredible i can't even act like that's just a normal thing yeah it's not just like like it's totally showing off but they feel so good when you hear them the dual guitars it just feels so comforting and so badass but also just like this is Thin Lizzy. These dueling guitars are Thin Lizzy. Maiden does it and Thin Lizzy does it. And they do them two separate ways. The way they, like, for real, like, I, I don't know much about theory, but whatever. Uh, they do it in such a way that it became a Thin Lizzy thing because they do it so much. But then at that point, it just becomes what they're great at and what you're w- wanting to hear from them. And maybe that's why we take it for granted, but it is, I shouldn't underestimate that it, it is super, extremely cool. And anytime I've tried to do it, it can only be in small doses in songs that I write because I can't make it interesting for that long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think though, when you listen to something like Ingve Momstein, like you're hearing guitar theory, but when you're hearing, when you listen to Thin Lizzy, you're hearing guitar fact. <laughs> that's good. No, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> It's so bad, but it's very good. <laughs> it like works in my mind. Um, no, they know what, you, what it needs. They know what it needs, and and it's not uh, what they can do. It's what they what they should do, and I think that's why they're just perfect. But, but when we were talking about the uh, kind of comparative thing, um, to kind of to kind of wrap us up, hopefully. Uh, yeah, we, I'm not giving any real facts about the that's band fine. or the album. And like, you know, we could talk about the album artwork and there's three members on the front and there's four on the back. And I always think that was like funny. And of course, eventually you read like the story behind it. It's not really interesting for me to tell. We can't no. hear, you can't see it on a podcast anyway, so it doesn't matter. But um, you can Wikipedia that. But no, I mean, the, I keep wanting to go into detail about stuff we would need a podcast for every song for me to give a proper, like, uh, almost like an antique uh, roadshow kind of telling of, uh, this kind of piece of history, you know, but I also yeah. feel like it's like those things this, do exist. You know, you could, there's probably a behind the music on this. If there's not, there should be, you know, and there's, you know, just all types of, you could just read the Wikipedia. So, so, yeah, you know, and also uh, I, th- this is just how, we feel about this yeah it's kind of like if you've read the wikipedia tune into this because we're talking about everything that isn't that (laughs) yeah (laughs) because you can read hopefully um except for we 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 yeah we're 
the only thing you don't need to read on the Wikipedia is uh, cover uses and other cover versions and other uses. Sorry. Uh, I hate that they put that on the freaking Wikipedia. But anyway, yeah, there's not much else to say about this besides what we're, the kind of stuff we're talking about. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I keep thinking where what I'm always more interested in is almost like what we were doing earlier in the conversation, like comparing just the time frame. So I think about like when a band is doing this, kind of like why they did this, but more so like other bands that are doing something similar, even not so similar, just like comparing them in my mind to even like Aerosmith is like wild yeah well it makes sense though i mean it really it it makes a lot of sense to put them in a similar category especially at this time period um but let's see even if you go on to the record labels wikipedia that put this record out the records that came out in the same year it's like all you know the rumor did around an album and then graham parker and the rumor did an album and now I'm pretty sure they were friends with Phil and with maybe with the band. Um, and that one doesn't feel that weird, even though it's not exactly the same music. But then you have stuff like Fairport Convention, Status Quo, Nazareth, um, Clover, who ties in with Elvis Costello and Huey Lewis in the news. Like, again, this was the beginning of punk and new wave kind of stuff and, you know, uh, and pub rock, you know, whatever. It does feel like it makes sense within Lizzie being kind of stuck in between that and a band that, you know, like Nazareth or Status Quo. You know, they were just big bands at the time that you think about now. And you're just like, I don't, in fact, I don't think about, but, you know, they were there. They had a couple good songs, but they didn't have Thin Lizzie qualities. Yeah, but they also feel albums. like they were, they were almost like, what by the time like jailbreak came around i feel like they probably were on that trajectory to be like status quo status quo uh nazareth and i guess mott the hoople again like these bands that are sort of like we kind of know who they are but they haven't been remembered this well but like jailbreak and then into like bad reputation like put them in a different trajectory but i think that they were right there with like bands like clover and that's it almost like makes yeah, more sense to me in a way uh, they're they're like the band that got out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that um, I would have to imagine if you were a Thin Lizzy fan at this time period, um, you know, of a certain age when that came out, I, I would have to imagine that you were just along for the ride for the rest of the for their whole catalog once you get into them because you're still getting Thin Lizzy all the time and it's. It doesn't. I could see people falling off at at the last record, uh, Thunder and Lightning, if it was a little too aggressive for people or something. Maybe for older fans because it is pretty different, but it is still very much them, and it's still great. Um, it is interesting to think about, like, and I'm hoping the documentary just opens up a, a lot of unknowns for me over the years because you can watch YouTube videos and read about them and whatever. But I think that, uh, I really want to know the vibe. I want to be able to get a feeling for what it was like Yeah. when they were, you know, throughout their career of 12 albums. Yeah. But when, I guess like going back to the kind of comparing them to like, uh, 
Aerosmith. It's like everything we said about like Thin Lizzy and like how it works in that way, kind of like not going, like almost like going off of your own melody when he's like playing bass. It's like Aerosmith is almost the antithesis to everything that we were saying about Thin Lizzy, but still, it still works for Aerosmith. When I'm, what I'm getting at is I had a friend that one time told me like, basically the way the guy plays bass and CCR is like how everyone should play bass, you know, like that, uh-huh. just like right on the kick thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't agree with you. Like just having like saying like Thin Lizzy does it this way. So everyone should do it that way. And then that's the right way to do it. It's like, well, I can point at Aerosmith early Aerosmith is good and they don't do it that way. Like kind of right. having a hard fast rule to what makes something good is well. This is silly. the thing is that we we are giving too much credit to popular radio and culture and saying that they know what's good. And I yeah. think that's part of the problem is they see what's marketable. And I mean, uh, uh, it would be ridiculous if we didn't mention racism. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. of course, Phil being black, I'm sure had a huge, huge part in in them not you know, breaking out in the way that they, they should have to even, uh, you know, a heavier outlet of sorts. Um, yeah, for sure. Like it's, and record labels. I mean, I'm sure a ton of the people at the record labels were racist and didn't want to, you know, or they, or they assumed what kind of music the band was playing before hearing them or whatever, because of racism. Uh, and, and, uh, I should have brought that up earlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of definitely Duh, we're like, like skirting around. Yeah, the, why we're like, why weren't they as big? You know, it's like yeah, I don't uh, know, <laughs> the racism. Um, yeah, that's probably our answer to the entire podcast right there. Why? Oh, right, because racism, and um, they were as great as we think they are. Uh, in fact, they're probably better than we even could imagine. Especially back then, they were probably incredible live. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I I feel bad in the sense that like Phil deserved to be the biggest rock star on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was the most marketable dude. Like I said, he's sensitive, he's he's aggressive, and uh, I would love to have seen him act in a movie. I don't know if he I ever think he could have done it. Like there is, I it kind of so makes too. me think of there was like just the idea of like uh i guess getting into film stuff like someone like sydney portier it's like like he's just like so much better than like his counterparts of the time you know but it's like he probably didn't get once again because of racism (laughs) like it's like you know it's like phil phil could just do so much (laughs) do everything everyone was doing in 70s and 80s 10 times better yeah but you know well and then we'll always kind of have that like why wasn't he and then just get back to what you said the answer is racism if anyone yeah. is confused in it and the, the whole hour that we've been talking about it i know uh, it's just I know, racism know, i think i think i honestly didn't know how often we were going to bring up how underrated they were it was going to just you know they're underrated and that's but we keep going back to it so yes uh, we have to mention that it would definitely be because of racism, um, yeah. a huge part of it. I, I also, I also wonder, you know, just in general, um, how many bands are there that you go back and you go, why wasn't this the biggest band? And they're so good, but 
I wasn't around then and I don't know what yeah. the vibe was, you know? Yeah. Uh, besides besides the racism thing, which has always been sadly a, a vibe of sorts um in in music and the world. Yeah, but you should edit this down to like a a three minute thing of where I make my points and then you kind of agree with them. Yeah. And then uh we just decide, look, that was you and you even say like we recorded for over an hour or whatever. I don't know. I'm not keeping track of time. Uh but but here's the best three <laughs> three minutes of yeah, we've been recording for an hour and 14 minutes, and I'll, I'll cut it down. I think we can do five. Uh, I think we've had five Jeez. five minutes of useful. Uh, well, in terms of, like, if this were, like, sound-bited, sound-bit, sound-bitten, uh, like, if this were, <laughs> like, Eddie Trunk show or something, you know, I didn't mention Y&T. Um, you know, right. Yeah. But, right. yeah. Well, bands that we, we understand why they're not as big as some people might think that we have an understanding of. yeah they'd be like the other guy that's like with eddie trunk it's like the or have you ever watched like that metal show yeah jim florentine yeah he's like uh you know what I, I don't know if i agree with you on that <laughs> yeah just <laughs> but they talk well, about y and t everybody loves sinless yeah oh yeah I, I think I think if I if I did a tier, I really got to put Y and T at the top. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's like I've heard them talk about Y and T more than I've ever heard anyone talk about Y and T in my life. You know? Yeah. Well, they're doing what we're doing with Y. You should invite Eddie Trunk on the show and say, "Let's talk about your favorite Y and T album." <laughs> and he goes, "Impossible. Can't pick just one." <laughs> oh God. Um, okay, so. I think you already mentioned the thing, like how it influenced like your songwriting. I think we kind of dipped into that some. Yeah. But I think that it influenced beyond me. Cause what does that mean? You know, who cares? But <laughs> in general, I just think that they're influenced on, again, bands that they were currently even playing with at the time must've seen them and went, Oh, why don't we do that? Yeah. You know, why, why, how can they be this big, over the top kind of feeling rock band without really being big and over the top. They're just no bullshit, you know? I mean, or it's all bullshit, but it's all the best bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the solos and everything. And it's not too flashy. And I think that that is a lesson in its own, how, how to take it down a notch and excel in working with that. It's like, a dude, uh, this will be the last thing I should say. Thin Lizzy is is like, uh, like a a cheese pie, like a plain pizza pie. It's just perfect the way it is. If it's good, it's just you don't need toppings. You don't need all this extra stuff. You don't need it to be, uh, baked thin crust. You know, yeah. It's just a pizza. It's just a regular ass pizza, except for the regular ass pizza is the most satisfying thing in the world. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Like and every pizza like, doesn't need to be like meat lovers and like a cheese crust. Right. And I, and I think that then Lizzie, this, this is not to say that they don't have all these extra things. I think they do have all these extra things. They just know how to do it. They knew what to do with, with their skills that they were given or, or created or whatever. And I think that's really something to learn from and to look at when you're 
trying maybe trying to write a song or you're thinking about music in general is uh what would thin lizzie do i can't do it but what would how would they attack it in this sense you know yeah but i guess what before i actually let you go how can people uh find you what's the best way to find you online oh yeah so that's just um uh perry shall it's pretty much just my name everywhere perry shall shall like the word uh so at perry shall on stuff that does an at in the name and then uh perry shall.com is the website in, in 2021 i think that's all the information you really need right well uh you are leaving out like t-shirt time oh yeah tea time oh yeah so i do um usually friday uh 6 p.m I go live on Instagram and I interview people about their t-shirts and that's at T underscore time underscore shirt show. And that's like a show I've been working on before, you know, uh, 2020 where I've been interviewing people about their t-shirts and filming them and working on a sh- like an actual show. But then once uh, the pandemic thing happened, I started doing it on there so people can tune in live on Fridays at 6 p.m. and watch me talk about t-shirts and you can come in and talk to me about your t-shirts and I don't care if you think they're not cool or if you think that they're not old enough or whatever if you think it's cool and you are interested in why you have it or you can tell a story to me about why you have it or its significance that's all i care about i just want to know why is this shirt your shirt pretty much yeah yeah or and you could just come on and show off too i don't care i've, I've done it before and, yeah i love it and someone called me a redneck because i had a sleeveless shirt on but you is know, that true a stranger yeah i think so i wasn't i wasn't offended by it because there's truth there um but you know I think I well I think I might have been showing you a Pantera shirt while wearing a sleeveless Metallica uh, shirt, so I really like yeah, set myself. I say it, yeah, but but I understand why somebody would make a joke. I wouldn't yeah. again. I think it's low hanging fruit, you know, since I'm from North Carolina. But what can you do? Um, these people aren't professional comedians. Uh, but speaking of professional <laughs> yeah. comedians, you did recently have Dean Del Rey and Mark Maron on T-shirt time and. I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid like how did that happen because it just happens and i know you did work for dean del rey recently but that i'm just saying that that's awesome and people should go watch that thank you if they yeah have. i mean i just reached out that was really that, that if the story was dean posted it was his birthday or somebody you know whatever i found out it was his birthday and i was working all day and i was like i need to stop working and take a break and so as a break i just for fun made him a t-shirt i mean i made him a a design with his pictures on it you know i made a a t-shirt design not intended to be a Mm t-shirt but of course in the back of my mind is like well maybe if he likes it we'll make a t-shirt so i sent it to him and he freaked out and was like uh we need to make shirts of this and i was like cool yeah let's do it so we made the shirts and at some point dean was on instagram live brought me on with him to just hang out and talk about t-shirts a little bit and Marin was in the comments responding to everything we were saying out loud and he's friends with Dean. So they were talking. And then at some point now that he knew I was the t-shirt guy, I just was like, oh, I'll just like reach out to him and I don't know, 
but I didn't understand that he actually had a bunch of old shirts. Uh, yeah. So he starts text uh, or not texting. What do you call on Instagram? The DM. He starts DMing me all these shirt pictures. And I was like, oh, he is interested in this stuff. And so I kind of that within a couple minutes, I just go, hey, man. It's Friday. I go live on Fridays. Do you want to just would don't put the shirts away or instead of putting them away, why don't you leave them out and just like go on Instagram live with me and we'll talk about them. And he was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> nice. And now that is to say, leave him alone. Yeah. Please don't bother him. If anybody, not you, but you no, I, I know uh, from experience to leave him alone because I did tweet at him and say, Hey, I'll have you on my podcast. If you have me on yours. <laughs> and he said, he said, no, th- he said, uh, no can do. And then a bunch of people That's screenshotted so that and sent it to me like I didn't see it too. And we're like, ha ha. Yeah. And it's like, well, oh that's like God. the, it's then, I don't know. Like my wife was like, that's like the perfect response you could have gotten from him. Like he acknowledged was... you. He gave you that little spin that what could it better could have happened. You know? Yeah. What else could you, so, it's not like you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. It's not like you thought he was going to say like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And if he did, you'd be like, well, I did ask. Well, yeah. I mean, there is like but that. But of course he's, yeah, but, but I mean, that's what happened to me. I asked. Uh, same thing. And I just said, well, you have him out though. And I think it was convenient. Yeah. And I think he did start to see why I, why I found them so interesting and kind of put, you know, put some light on it for him to understand maybe these are a little cooler than he was ready to acknowledge until mm-hmm. we talked. Um and it was just, it was just nice. That was the still a short version of that story, by the yeah. way. Sorry about that. I think, but I was, think though, the great. thing you said though, definitely leave him alone. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. To everybody listening, do not message him. Don't try to. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I, I had, I had an in because we had a mutual friend. We have a few mutual mutual friends actually, uh, and I wasn't going to push it any further than hey yes or no he said yes cool if he said no i would have said that makes sense so everybody should not bother him but can you think of any other uh we'll say celebrities that probably have big t-shirt collections well i i have interviewed gilbert godfrey and i'm sure by now anybody listening to this knows me they're like oh my god i should have known he was going to bring it up because it comes up i'll be honest most people bring it up to me more than i bring it up at this point but uh, yeah, he's got like oh, probably a uh, hundred or so that he's just held on to, and they're all, for the most part, they're all really cool. Yeah, <laughs> they're from like his whole entire career, and I think that there's a lot of people in entertainment and artists and stuff that don't think about it that still have this stuff from however long ago because it meant something to them, and you know. If somebody gives you a free shirt, especially when you were younger or something, or or now if it was, I'm picky because I don't wear new shirts, but say I was to, and I went to uh, a movie screen, I don't know, or a music venue, and they were like, yo, do you want a shirt from the venue? You're like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. I don't know if I'll wear it, but I'll take whatever. It's a venue I played or I'm at, and now I'll have a shirt of it even without thinking it's already documenting this place that you were at mm-hmm. or this thing that you did, but to a specific day that you did it. 
and that whole day has a story to it. You know, everybody's, you went to a show, maybe you went out to eat first and you remember that you saw this band for the first time at this place on that date, or even just having a venue shirt will, will lead you to all the shows you've been at that place, you know? And so I think that I'm just getting these stories out of people who don't ever think about it. And I'm just kind of reminding them or, or really uh, introducing them to this concept of like, no, it's cool. You kept this. You didn't have to write a diary necessarily or whatever else you would do to document whatever. Yeah. So I think it's really cool. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And I think that's been the exciting part about this whole thing is finding the people who don't talk about t-shirts all the time or care about them who don't have to think about which cool shirt I'm going to buy because it's just a piece of clothing or is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I will, it might be too. And I will truly let you go, but do you know if Gilbert Gottfried has a problem child shirt? Um, he, does he, I, I I do know, and I uh, or or I would have known when I interviewed him. I would have seen it. I can't honestly. I'm pretty sure he does. I almost want to say he had a problem child two shirt. <laughs> he had an Aladdin shirt. He had a uh, Bill Maher. He had Conan. You know, he had like kind of all the shows he's ever been on. He had an Up All Night shirt, which was the yeah. show he hosted. He had a night. He had like two night court shirts from the two times he was <laughs> an actor on like two episodes of Night Court. I mean, his collection's incredible. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. People haven't seen the documentary. It really, you oh, you'll understand it if you see the documentary. Like what kind of, I guess hoarding is the the way that probably even his wife would call it. Well, um, yeah, but uh, she doesn't let it be a, a hoarding issue because she puts it all away and. And space neatly. bags and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so so he is maybe technically, but luckily he's married to like the most incredible person ever and she will not yeah, allow yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It was great talking to you about Thin Lizzy and Gilbert Gottfried. Um, and so, thank you. <laughs> you just summed me up in two things. Yeah, yeah that's it. Well, t-shirt. It really is. T-shirt. Yeah, and t-shirts. Three yeah. things. But no, no, thanks for having me. Always great to talk to you. Apologies to all the listeners out there. To all the heavy uh, Thin Lizzy fans. If you're a casual yes. Thin Lizzy fan, you learned a lot. But if you listen to... <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. I hope you learned something. <laughs> Probably not. But thank you. Later, buddy. Welcome back. Thanks again to Perry for coming on the pod. I know he's going to be mad at me for not editing more out, but I loved all his rambling and my rambling, so I kept it in. Too bad, Perry. It's my podcast, but I do love you. Check out Perry's live stream Instagram series every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. He's had amazing guests like you hear us talk about in the pod, Dean Del Rey and Mark Marin, and I can't wait to see what he does with the series. Okay. Next week on the pod, I'm chatting with podcaster Mikey Kent about Ride the Lightning by Metallica. In the meantime, brush up on old Metallica and listen to Mikey's podcast, Toxic Schlock. As always, had a great time talking with Mikey. Before I let you go, 
just want to say real quick, please donate to the family of Dante Wright. There's links all over. I don't want to get any of them wrong. There's a bunch of infographics, so please check those out and donate if you can. Very seriously, we need serious police reform in this country. This can't keep happening. Black Lives Matter. Having a badge and a gun doesn't give you the right to take a life. And also, I just want to pay respects to Adam Toledo. And this just keeps happening. You know, we could keep doing names forever. Please donate if you can. Give time if you can. I could speak forever and it would never be enough. Before I let you go, thanks to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Hit us up on Patreon, Instagram, and Twitter. Please rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week. I've been in it.